When we think about this idea of a gospel meeting, I'm sure um, most of you know what we're talking about. Talking about uh, throughout the throughout the year, we'll have outside preachers coming uh, usually, uh, and, and they will usually speak throughout the week uh, and 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 talk of you know various lessons. Usually, uh, our mindset is on evangelizing the lost, and and certainly uh, we can be benefited. Christians can be benefited by that lesson as well. Well, we would think about. Uh, these meetings and every time that we meet, you know, how do, when we think about the, the gospel meeting, if I don't trip over my words, what goals do we have for those things? What goals do we have for every time that we meet? And when we, when we think about, for example, think about Paul and Apollos, what Paul was speaking about in First Corinthians, that at the end of the day, you know, God's going to cause the increase of His of His word. It's going to be God's working, uh, God's word working individuals that causes them to change. But make notice that Paul said that they, Paul and Apollos, planted and watered. That they, at the end of the day, it was a minuscule part of that work. But nonetheless, nonetheless, it needed to be done. That they had to work in some form or fashion so that that word can be effective in the lost. So when we're setting these, you know, if we set these goals or any type of goal for a gospel meeting, how do we go about helping to achieve those goals? I think for the most part we're talking about evangelizing the lost. If that's what we're wanting to do, how do we go about achieving that goal? You know, and how do we, you know, if we're going about that, how do we determine when we have effectively done that job? When we're reaching out to others or doing whatever it may be to make that meeting more effective. And so these things we'll be discussing, and uh, you know, hopefully this lesson will be kind of it'll be productive in that it provoke us to uh, uh, think about uh, many things, our gospel meetings, our meetings uh, every week, and to how to make these more effective. And so first and foremost, when we think about the meeting, we think about uh, I think the main thing is we talk we think about preaching and good gospel preaching. In John chapter eight and verse fifty one. John chapter 8 and verse 51. I missed my, I, I forgot about my PowerPoint. John chapter 8, verse 51. It says, Jesus says, Most assuredly I say to you, if anyone keeps my word, he shall never see death. And so, first and foremost, when we think about the meaning of this preaching, the gospel should be proclaimed boldly, and it should be proclaimed accurately. And here we see that, that the power of, of Christ's word it will give life to the lifeless, those that are spiritually dead, those that are in sin. If if we will hear His word and obey His word, of course we're going to see physical death, but we will never see eternal death. We will be able to live eternally. And so the and we know that the power of the gospel it has the power to convict, and it also has the power to convert anyone. It will lead us to a new life in in Christ. And it will not only will it give life to the lifeless, but it also will give hope uh, to the hopeless as well. And so, when we think about that, we I think we can read throughout the scriptures the great power that the gospel has and the great potential that the gospel has. But also, we think about the seriousness of it, and, it, and that it, it essentially it carries a life or death message. And we look at Deuteronomy chapter thirty and verse fourteen through twenty. Deuteronomy chapter thirty. In verse 14 through 20. Now, granted, Moses is, is, this is during the Old Testament times. 
This is under the old law, but I think we can, uh, these words that he is going to be speaking, it parallels with the message that we see in the New Testament as well. In Deuteronomy chapter 30, verses 14 through 20, It says, But the word is very near you in your mouth and in your heart that you may do it. See, I have set before you today life and good, death and evil, and that I command you today to love the Lord your God, to walk in his ways, and to keep his commandments, his statutes, and his judgments, that you may live and multiply, and the Lord your God will bless you in the land which you go to possess. But if your heart turns away so that you do not hear and are drawn away and worship other gods and serve them, I announce to you today that you shall surely perish. You shall not prolong your days in the land which you cross over the Jordan to go and possess. I'll call heaven and earth as witnesses today against you that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life that both you and your descendants may live that you may love the Lord your God, that you may obey His voice, and that you may cling to Him, for He is your life and the length of your days, and that you may dwell in the land which the Lord swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give them. Now we look at that, and we see Moses basically giving Israel saying that you, that you have a choice to make. You're either going to obey God, hear His word, do His commandments, or you're going to turn your heart away from Him and not do those things. You have a choice to make. And, and when we think about the gospel that's proclaimed today, in essence, God has given us the ability to hear the gospel. And at the end of the day, it is up to us to obey it. We either walk in His ways or we turn our hearts from Him. And, we, and so we look at the seriousness of that. That, first of all, we have to preach the gospel. People have to hear the gospel and then to them to make that choice of whether or not they're going to obey. And if they do make that choice to obey, it will be the best decision that they will ever make. And so when we think about, okay, we're going to evangelize the lost, but these lessons also can help Christians to, get, to grow as well. If we look at 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 2, 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 2, This is Paul writing to Timothy, 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 2. We'll begin in verse 1. It says, You therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus, and the things that you have heard from me among many witnesses, commit these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. So what's Paul writing here? He says, Look, the things that you're hearing from me, you commit these things to faithful men. You teach these things to other men so they will be able to teach others also. So again, when we think about every time or we stand up here to teach or whatever, we, we have the Word, we learn it, we teach it, so what? So that you can learn or that somebody else can learn it. So that then you can therefore teach others about it. And so again, this word can help us to grow and so that we can be able to teach others. And also in verse 24 of the same chapter, it says, And a servant of the Lord must not quarrel, but be gentle to all, able to teach, patient. And so here in verse 24, we think about the servant of the Lord being able to teach. Now, certainly we all understand that everybody has different abilities of teaching. But... Any servant of the Lord, eventually you ought to be able to be able to teach something, even foundational pr- principles, just something. You cannot 
be a Christian and be a Christian and, and just stand still and never be able to learn the first principles. We have several letters which rebuke those kind of things. We ought to at, at least be able to teach something and to teach it so that others can hear it as well. And so when we think about the Word, it helps us to grow. It helps, it helps us to be able to reach out to others as well. And then in Acts chapter 20 and verse 32 we see that the Word can build us up. In Acts chapter 20, in verse 32, the Word can build us up. So in, in the context, Paul is, in this chapter, Paul is talking to the Ephesian elders. You know, he's pretty much saying to them, hey, you're, you're not going to see me again. And then he says, in verse 27, he says, For I have not shunned to declare to you the whole counsel of God. And then he goes and talks about that there's going to be... Uh, Savage wolves in verse 29 that come in among you, not sparing the flock, that they're going to be false teachers coming in. And he says in verse 32, he says, So now, brethren, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and give you inheritance among all those who are sanctified. So you think about what Paul's talking to the elders. He's like, Look, you're not going to see me again, but I've, I've given you what you need. Things might get rough, but I've given you everything that you need. And what do you need to do? You need to look to the Word. So that, And th- that Word, the Word of His grace, that's what's going to build you up. That's what's going to let you know what is truth and what is error. That's what's going to be able to encourage you when you become discouraged. When you become pretty uh, hopeless, thinking the whole world's against you, the Word and understanding His Word is going to be able to uh, build us up and to be encouraged to face whatever it may be that faces us. And so, again, we think, we look at, and we can know and see throughout the Scriptures the power of the Word. And when we think about that, we see the power, and we know that we have to teach it. And, we, and so, us as teachers, or anybody as teachers, we know that it has consequences, that the seriousness of the Word and us teaching it, we should be able to give the best effort that we can so that the Word can be effective, so that we can effectively teach those things. In First Timothy uh, chapter 4, and verse 15 through 16, First Timothy chapter 4, and verse 15 through 16, First Timothy chapter 4, and verse 15 through 16, Paul again writing to Timothy says, Meditate on these things, give yourselves entirely to them, that your progress may be evident to all. Take heed to yourself and to the doctrine, continue in them, for in doing this you will save both yourself and those who hear you. So first and foremost, the teacher, again, the teacher has to be teaching truth. And he says that in verse 16, he says, Take heed to yourself and to, to the doctrine. First of all, you've got to make sure what you're teaching is right. But in verse 15, he says, Meditate on these things. Give yourselves entirely to them that your progress may be evident to all. We, if, so when we're looking at that, we have to uh, meditate on the things that have been given to us, and we ought to be giving ourselves entirely to those things. The Word ought to be first priority in our life. And teaching those things, we ought to give our best effort in teaching that as well. So again, we think about... Uh, when we think about a good, uh, productive meeting, any time we think about good preaching, uh, proclaiming His Word, we now understand the power of His Word, and we ought to be able to, the preacher ought to be, able, be giving a good effort so that, that that Word can be given to those who need it. But also when we think about 
the meeting, okay, we got preaching, and we're just going to, we get a good preacher up here, and, you know, that's all we need. Well, no, that's that's silly. Uh, there has to be some preparation on our part. The, 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 the members of the church, we ought to prepare for uh, this meeting or for every meeting. Uh, the old saying, it says, if we fail to plan, we are planning to fail. So if we got this goal that we want to do, or we want to achieve, and we just kind of just sit there and look at it, and don't don't ever do anything about it. Don't ever plan to do anything. We just say, well, I just hope to hope that it turns out well. That's kind of ridiculous, right? And so, if we don't plan on and, and plan on certain things to make the meeting more effective, then and then then really, why are we even having it then? You know, we have to prepare ourselves for. It. And again, this even goes to a meeting on uh, Sundays or, for, or on, on Wednesdays or for whatever reason that at work in our lives we're, we're willing to make adjustments to our plans. If we're going to meet with the boss, well, we can adjust our plans for this. You know, we can even adjust our plans on the fly if, we, if, you know, if the boss says so. We're willing to do that. But what happens when we, talk, when we think about... Uh, uh, changing our schedule, whatever, for meeting with the brethren. Think about the meeting throughout the week. What are we willing to do to change? if we have to change our schedule? Are we willing to do that? Are we willing to be able to make a commitment to meet every uh, day during that meeting? And also, when we think about that planning, we should be thinking about those that who simply need the gospel. And we, we need to be willing to invite those uh, who the lessons will be very applicable to. Not only do we think about those that need the gospel, that they are lost, that they are not Christians, but we should prepare ourselves to receive that word as well. Uh, we think about in Psalms chapter 119 and verse 18. Psalms chapter 119 and verse 18. Psalms 119 and verse 18. Verse 18 says, Open my eyes that I may see wondrous things from your law. And so this should all be our attitude that, you know, really we never or we should never get to the point where we think we got it all figured out. That we, you know, we got everything that we need done. You know, we've reached this plateau. Nothing else for me to do here. You know, we should have the same attitude that we see in verse 18. We should always want to see wondrous things from His law. We should always want to garner more and more truth uh, from His Word, regardless of our, 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 you know, our level of learning or, you know, a level of Bible learning. We should all still have that attitude that we will still want to continue and continuously grow in His Word. And so, turning to Mark chapter 4 and verse 20, Mark chapter 4 and verse 20, so we see that we should all want to garner, continuously garner things from the Word, but we also have to have that prepared heart. You know, we, we can hear the Word, we can see it, we can say, okay, that's it, but at the end of the day, we have to make a choice, as we've seen earlier, that whether or not we're going to apply it uh, to our lives. In Mark chapter 4, in verse 20, Mark chapter 4, 
in verse 20. This is speaking of the, uh, the parable of the sower. And so we have all of these different types of souls. That There's a bunch of them that really we don't want to be. We ought not to be. And in verse 20 it says, But these are the ones sown on good ground, those who hear the word, accept it, and bear fruit, some thirtyfold, some sixty, and some a hundredfold. So we all ought to strive to be that good ground. And so look what the good ground does. It hears the word and accepts it and it bears fruit. So this should all be our attitude every time we're, we're at some lesson or whatever it may be that we're wanting to hear the word, we want to garner truth from it and then accept it. And then we, what do we do? We apply it. We bear fruit uh, through hearing uh, that word, through hearing and accepting and doing uh, that work. And so we, so we think about preaching, we're thinking about uh, preparation, preparing ourselves for the things, but we also have to uh, persevere in uh, what we do. Now, I believe that the gospel meeting or gospel meeting, whatever, is not an extra because evangelism is part of the church's planned work. It does not mean uh, just because we may do something you know, on set on a set schedule, it does not change the fact that it's a the church's plan work. Evangelism is part of the church's plan work, regardless of what time frame it may take place. And so, when we think about that, we have to not think of it as some it's you know church light or or whatever it may be. This is on a different level that we really you know this is not that important. I really don't have to show up now. It's 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 part of the church's plan work. It's part of the body of Christ plan work. Now, if we think about it, it's the churches, the the collective groups work. You know, we should strive to uh, persevere in doing these things. And in, in Hebrews chapter ten and verse twenty four through twenty five, Hebrews chapter ten and verse twenty four and twenty five, Hebrews chapter ten and verse twenty four through twenty five. So in the context, these are people thinking about pretty much going back to the old law. In Hebrews chapter 10, and verse 24 through 25, it says, Let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as is the matter of some, but exhorting one another, and so more, much more as you see the day approaching. So we think about those a few verses that, if we are coming together, we're assembling to the, together, we have opportunities to exhort one another, we have opportunities to consider one another in order to stir up love and good works. And the thing about that is, if we don't, if we don't ever see one another, we can't do that. We can't fulfill those things. We can't stir up love and good works. We can't exhort one another. And so, just by your presence being among the brethren, it will be and it will help others. It may be an encouragement to others. It may be an, an opportunity for you to exhort someone else to start loving good works. And so we should, if if we want to do those things, we should uh, plan to be together as much as we can. And we cannot do these things if we never see each other, if we don't show up. And so also in 1 Thessalonians in chapter 5 and verse 11. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 11. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, chapter 5 and verse 11. It says, Therefore comfort each other and edify one another just as you also are doing. So again, going back to the, 
the same concept in Hebrews chapter 10. You cannot do these things if we don't see one another. So we should all uh, have a commitment towards our brethren to what we're going to meet and to assemble uh, uh, together. And, and they should be of the foremost priority in our lives. So in verse 11 it says, Therefore comfort each other and edify one another. And so again, we cannot comfort and we cannot edify if we don't see one another. And so again, uh, uh, going to Nehemiah chapter 4 and verse 6. So you think about it, you're saying, yeah, well, you, what you're telling me is I just need to show up so that I can, uh, that I can, I can help out. I can help out some other people. But we think about it in, in Nehemiah's case in chapter 4 and verse 6. So we understand that, you know, the Jews were in kind of a bad situation uh, at the time. And what we see in Nehemiah chapter 4 and verse 6 is we see a situation in which these people decided that they were going to work together. They made, they made a decision that they were going to get uh, this wall built. And in verse 6, it says, So we built the wall, and the entire wall was joined together up to half its height, for the people had a mind to work. So these people finally decided they were going to come together. They had a mind that they were going to get this done. And what happened? Well, they, they, they built the wall up to where it was half its height. And so... We would think about that when people come together, they have, they have a mind to that they're going to diligently uh, uh, do whatever work may be set before them. That if, when everybody's working together, it builds an attitude, it boosts morale, uh, and, and, it, and it builds a diligence. And so whatever it may be, we may look at something and see, you know, this may be a almost impossible task. If you get a group of people together that set their minds on doing that, all of a sudden it's not that a big of a deal. It's not that big of a task. So again, you know, everyone pitching in helps. It helps to uh, boost uh, uh, your brethren's attitude. It helps to boost. Uh, it helps to encourage one another by you uh, being here and to pitch and pitching in. And so. So we look at uh, preaching, preparation, perseverance, continuing in uh, doing uh, these things, attending the services, helping our brethren out as much as we uh, can. But we also, I think this is, maybe I should have put this at the beginning of the lesson, we also should pray about our meetings and for uh, people to be reached, lost people to be reached. In Colossians chapter 4 and verse 3, Colossians chapter 4, in verse 3, Colossians chapter 4 and verse, verse 3, we'll begin in verse 2. It says, continue, continue earnestly in prayer, being vigilant and in it with thanksgiving. Meanwhile, praying also for us that God would open to us a door for the word to speak the mystery of Christ, for which I am also in chains. So, Paul is urging them to pray for us that the word, God would open to us a door for the Word. And we should also be praying the same thing, that we should pray that that a door for the Word may be opened up for us or for the, the for uh, those or the preacher that is at the meeting or for, or for our daily lives, that we can continually have that door open up so that we can spread the Word so that the lost can be evangelized. And also in James chapter 5 and verse 16, and also in 1 John chapter 5, 
uh, we understand that prayer is very effective, that prayer uh, can change things. In James chapter 5 and verse 16, James chapter 5 and verse 16, this should be a very familiar verse. James chapter 5 and verse 16 He says, confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effective, fervent prayer of a a righteous man avails much. So here, this is uh, just plain as day that the the effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. So again, a righteous man continuously praying, it is very effective. That it, it, it does have an impact on things, but also... Uh, in First John chapter 5, we have to realize that we have to make sure that what we're praying for is within the will of God. In First John chapter 5, First John chapter 5 and verse 14 through 15, it says, Now this is the confidence that we have in Him, that if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. And if we know that He hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we have asked of Him. So again, in verse 14, says that if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. So again, as long as we're praying and it's within the will of God, He's going to hear us. And so we don't know how that's going to be answered, but we do know that He hears us. And we do know that prayer can change things as well. And so as we see in 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, and verse 1, uh, we should pray that the word of the Lord may spread rapidly and be glorified. We should pray that that the Word simply gets uh, put out to those who need it. And so, uh, and so as, we're, as we're moving from this part, we looking towards more of the uh, people aspect of things, we have to understand that the Gospel does no good unless it connects with people, unless the people hear it. And we've been talking about this throughout the lesson. Uh, we should want to share the gospel just like Jesus did. We see in Luke chapter 19 and in verse 10, Luke chapter 19 and in verse 10, Luke chapter 19 and verse 10, it says, For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. Now, we see the purpose here. He says He's come to seek and to save that which was lost. Now, of course, we can't save people. We don't have the power to save people. But we can uh, seek people, seek those lost people to, to let them and to proclaim the word to them. Now, we should strive to develop that attitude that Jesus had, that we are to constantly seek those that are lost. And we may have to talk to many people. We may have to do a lot of uh, seemingly maybe uh, crazy things. But... And it may become very frustrating, but at the end of the day, it's still worth it. And it may, we may have to talk to many to get one to truly uh, listen. In Luke chapter 12 and verse 1. Luke chapter 12 and verse 1. It says, uh, In the meantime, when an innumerable multitude of people had gathered together so that they trampled one another, he began to say to his disciples, First of all, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees, Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. Now, we look at there in that time, there's a lot of people following Jesus. But come to Acts chapter 1, when stuff has gotten pretty serious, there's only 120 people following him. And so we can kind of give an indication that maybe, uh, you know, when everything's good, a lot of people 
will follow Jesus because he's teaching things that they like. But at the end of the day, when we when somebody gets to full truth, understanding the commitment that has to be made to follow Christ, then people start slipping away. But then again, that there is going to be somebody who truly will listen and to truly accept his word. So again, it you may have to it may cause you to. Uh, may cause a lot of effort on your part. You may have to talk to a lot of people. You may have to reach out to a lot of people. But then again, there's going to be somebody at the end of the day that accepts that word that's going to be converted and and become a Christian. And so uh, we think about that. And then when people are coming in, and we may have preacher coming in, we may have visitors coming in, not only do we give them an opportunity to uh, hear the gospel, but also gives an opportunity for us to simply show a hospitality uh, to those people. In First Peter chapter four and verse nine, First Peter chapter four and verse nine. First Peter chapter four and verse nine. Again, it says, uh, "Be hospitable to one another." Uh, with without grumbling. So again, Peter's saying, "Look, be hospitable to one another, and don't really be complaining about it. You know, you ought to want to do these things." And uh, again, when you have a bunch of visitors coming in or or whatever, it gives opportunity uh, to show that. And then we think about every day, applying this to every day, that we should want to show hospitality to uh, one another as brethren and to uh, others. Uh, out in the world, and so uh, that's kind of the end of my lesson. There, we we see that uh, there are many things that we ought to be thinking about when it comes to uh, reaching out to others for uh, the gospel meeting and for every time we decide to, or every time that we meet uh, here as as a church. That we should, you know, first and foremost, to have a good preaching or the word is it's brought forth. That we should prepare. Uh, ourselves for it and we should persevere in those things we ought to pray and we ought to reach out to one another and we look at Isaiah chapter 55 in verse 11 Isaiah chapter 55 in verse 11 Isaiah chapter 55 verse 11 And so at, at the end of the day, this is what it comes down to. Isaiah chapter 55 and verse 11 says, So shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish what I please, and it shall prosper in the thing for which I sent it. So again, you know, when his word is proclaimed, it's not going to return to him void. And so he's, it says, But it shall accomplish what I please. So again, when his word is proclaimed, it's not going to return to him void, but at the end of the day, we should also, again, as we see Paul and Apollos doing, that we should strive to get folks, as many people, to hear that word and to proclaim it as well. And so I hope you learned something from this lesson. I hope that is maybe it'll, you know, maybe, maybe we can think about some things as we, uh, as we meet every week and for the gospel meetings as well. And so uh, we think about the, the, the power of the word, that it will convict someone, it will convert someone. 
Uh, we see, it's uh, kind of interesting, we see in Acts chapter 20, we see Paul talking to the Ephesian elders, and he says, look, you probably ain't going to see me again. What does he do? He starts talking about the Word. And we see him in Second Timothy, uh, in, in a lot of the book of Second Timothy, Paul is saying, look, you know, my life's about over with. What He starts focusing on the Word. Take heed to thyself, to that doctrine. The Word will thoroughly equip you for every good work. That's 2 Timothy chapter 3. And also we see also in Peter, Second Peter as well, that he starts talking about the power of the Word that we have, we have been given all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of Him. That is, that we can, when we have His Word, we can know everything that, that we need in order to, first and foremost, uh, you know, act in those good works. And then if we want to know how to live life, if we want to know how to be godly, we can know that through His Word. And we can also, uh, uh, and, and we see the story of Jesus, we see how we can be saved as well. If we, want to, if we got problems, we can see that through His Word. And so we also see the plan of salvation that He's given to us uh, through His Word, that we are to believe in His Word, to repent of those things. We see in Romans chapter 10 earlier this morning talking about believing and confessing Christ as Lord. And we also see in the Scriptures that one needs to be baptized in water. So that, and then they will be added to the church, and then they, they will be Christians, and, and then we continue to endure and have a faithful life uh, in Him as we hope for that heavenly uh, home. And so if any of you have not done that or, and, or certainly want to do that, we see uh, the seriousness of that message. We see that uh, we all have a choice to make. We all have that free will choice to make. So if you want to make that choice to serve Him, to be a servant of Him. We certainly offer that time now, and even uh, for our brethren here, if you need the prayers of the saints, if anything, uh, you need to confess anything, we'll offer that uh, time now as we stand and as we sing, will you come?